Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Nerd Game Night, the show where we talk about the games you know and love or don't know you love. I'm the host, Matthew McCluskey, and here with me is our resident rules master, Owen Nesbitt. That's me. And also fellow tabletop enthusiast, Aidan Malone. Howdy. Today the game we're going to be talking about is Munchkin from the Steve Jackson games. Uh, but first of all, since this is our first episode, it's probably best that we all introduce ourselves uh, and our background with games. Uh, so, fittingly, I started off with tabletop games with Munchkin, if we deduct the whole sort of family games that you play as kids. I used to play a bit of Risk with my friends age like 14, 15, but really the first big introduction was with Munchkin while at a, a weekend away with some friends in Galway. Uh, really enjoyed the game, after that Owen was the one who bought it, and uh, then sort of we've been playing it ever since. Uh, but since then we've collected so many other games, and that's really why we decided to start this podcast, because we thought we could give a good overview of the games we played and why we enjoy them, why we don't like them, what improvements we can make, etc. So I'll hand it over to Owen now, if he wants to give a bit of an introduction. Yep, uh, as Matthew said, I'm Owen, resident rules master extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have my own intro music at some stage, <laughs> I'm going to demand it. His own segment. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, it's going to be pre-recorded and everything, great. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I probably have the most experience um, gaming, board gaming and video gaming in general amongst the three of us. Well, um, I was off playing sports and was sitting inside in a dark room playing board games. You know, I, <laughs> at least it, he was good at board games. Yeah, as is my nerdy one. I peaked at 13 in sports. Yeah. <laughs> it was all that I haven't peaked yet, so <laughs> it's been a very low plateau. Um, yeah, so early years playing the likes of Hero Quest and Dungeon Quest with friends of my age and um, bit of chess, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh cards as well and um, sort of teens switched a bit more to video games but since hitting college it's very much back into board games again and um, playing poker with the guys then switching up into Munchkin for quite a long time before branching into other games yeah. and continuously branching. I think that's fair. I think it's also fair to say I'm the one bankrolling this entire <laughs> endeavour. For, for the most part. The since most pretty part. much all the games we have are mine. <laughs> I won't disagree. <laughs> uh, Aiden here, obviously. Um, <laughs> Not necessary. <laughs> that soothing voice. <laughs> yeah, dulcet tones. Um, yeah, S- similar uh, beginnings, family games, the likes of Monopoly and Risk and uh, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. Well, that was later on, but s- still, uh, family-based games that uh, parents find easy to understand. Um, main introduction to tabletop games was same as Matthew Munchkin was was the big intro that sort of set off uh, the last, I'm gonna say, seven eight years of a chain reaction in, <laughs> into into our our world of tabletop gaming. Shit, how old are we? <laughs> Both get, get. too old and not old enough. <laughs> yeah, solid. So yeah, kind of. I'm, I'm easily the most um, sort of least travelled in in a lot of games. I I think uh, if I was to summarise it from an outside perspective, I think you've taken more of a dive into the games that you've sort of got into D and yeah. D and embraced what I would consider more hardcore. <laughs> yeah, in quotes, uh, like uh, games. Uh, since we are talking about sort of nerdy games, but uh, yeah, definitely we, we all sort of enjoy them and, and enjoy different aspects of them. 
Uh, well, that sort of concludes the whole intro section. We'll uh, maybe leave some random chat for now since we already wasted enough time with that. Uh, oh, this isn't a random chat. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this one. Just, you know, <laughs> you're not wearing those headphones for show. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they are stylish as fuck. So. But, um, the blue really sets off my eyes. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Yeah. <laughs> But probably the best place to start with Munchkin, we can sort of get into talking about gameplay and everything later, but just to start with the brief rule set for whoever doesn't know it, mm-hmm. uh, or just wants a refresher who hasn't played it in a while. Yep. So, leave it to Owen. Okay. Uh, yeah, the rules rundown that we're going to do uh, for this game and all games in the future is not going to be uh, me reading the player's instructions guide for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's no one's idea of a good podcast. Uh, I'm just going to give a rough and ready idea of how the game plays out. Yeah. So um, I would describe Munchkin as a pen and paper RPG that was ruthlessly streamlined and then converted into a card game. So there is like zero to minimal amount of role playing. It's all very focused on resource acquisition, combat and fucking over your friends. <laughs> um, within the game itself, there's two deck types, doors and treasures. Doors are generally monster cards that you have to fight, curses which will affect you in negative ways, class cards, race cards which have their own unique and special abilities and drawbacks as well, and then some special ability cards to spice things up. The treasures are... (laughs) Continue. I really hope the microphone picked that up. My pause is just going to be weird. Um, The treasures are mostly like persistent equipment that you can use to fight monsters. Uh, usable once-only cards for influencing combat and go level cards. And generally how the game plays out is your Delta Hand to start with, four doors, four tre- um, treasures. And start of everybody's turn, you kick down the door, flip the card, see what you're going to face. Could be a monster, have to fight it, could be a curse, it'll hit you and you take all the effects that's going to come at you. If it's anything else, pick it up. You can, you can use it to influence your game. You get levels by beating monsters, you get treasures from beating monsters. If you lose monst- in a fight with a monster, you have to run away and bad stuff can happen. And the aim of the game is to win by reaching level 10. Yeah. So That's the guts of it. Yeah, I think that's fair. As Owen sort of alluded to there, as with all of these sort of what I would class in the nerdy games, there is like an eight pages of rules with each set of munchkin <laughs> that you would get. Uh, so... Uh, I remember reading it and going through and typing up all the rules we missed while not studying for exams. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think it is very much, in, if I can say about the rules, is that uh, a lot of them are very clearly defined and you can look up like what happens, but uh, what should happen in that case. And even today when we played it, we had to look up some rules. But uh, also there's some rules that lend themselves to... House rule format. They're a bit ambiguous, or not ambiguous, just ambiguous. ambiguous yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the game is sort of laid out yeah. that way. The the whole purpose of the game is <laughs> sort of to bring conflict between you and your friends. So, um, like there are purposeful built-in ways in the game for you to fuck over your friends during combat, outside of combat, uh, and sort of the rules then being some slightly vague in places. I think sort of contribute to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I'd agree. So, to talk about, like, gameplay, I guess the first thing you would talk about is just how a turn starts. So, you've already touched on it in the rules, mm-hmm. but basically, I have my cards, I put them down, okay, so I, I'm, let's say, just for an example, I am, 
dwarf. Let me try and remember some of the cards uh, <laughs> as my race, and I have no class yet, and I have the boots of butt kicking for a plus two bonus. So we roll a dice to see who goes first. I, let's say, as usual, roll a brilliant six and get the go first. <laughs> Straight sixes constantly. Don't gamble with him. And uh, then flip over a door, and it can either, as Owen already said in the cards, it can be a monster or it can be a curse or it can be something that I can just pick up, like a class card or a race card. But let's say it's a monster. The first question in gameplay is, okay, can I beat it? Uh, if I can, great. There it's up to everyone else to try and, like, fuck me over. So let's say I have their plus two bonus and level one. So I'm on three and three against, it's a level five monster, let's say. So now I need to look and see, okay, I need some help from people. So this is one big thing about the gameplay, which is co-op. Like Mm -hmm. there's, I wouldn't say not a lot of games, but a lot of games we play, they're either straight co-op or they're just straight by yourself. They don't allow for co-op. So I think that's a big aspect of the gameplay here. So I can say to Aiden, like, hey, can do you want to help me for part of the treasure, for help later? You can sort of invent your own bargaining things. Uh, even people can help for free if they want, but you come to some sort of agreement. If it turns out that we win, great, I win, go up a level, the turn passes. So in terms of general gameplay, that's literally how it plays out. But I think... Yeah, Um Gameplay is very, very much combat-centric. Yeah. You're either in a fight, in which case it's, hooray, I'm trying to win, we're going hell for leather, people are trying to backstab me or betray me, or in some cases help me out and win, and we'll have some sort of share of treasure or some other deal. Or something else is happening, you're being hit with a curse, and you're either trying to negate the curse or accept what's happened and try to minimize its damage to you. Yeah. So... You're sort of always operating in that you're either in combat or you're not in combat. I think it's it's not a game, unlike other board games, where it's like, oh, it's not my turn. I'm going to go make some tea or do whatever I want until yeah. it's my turn again. You always have to be aware of what's going on. You can even be cursed like by the person it, when it's their turn, and like, or it's not even their turn. Like oh, Someone else can just curse you. While you're just sitting there doing nothing just because like, they're annoyed at you for something or for putting... Yeah, no, timing is going to be very important. In, yeah. As I said, it's not a very strict turn-based game. You almost always have something you could possibly do yeah. to someone else. And I, I think that's what I like about it so much. I don't really, I like games where I can be pretty involved all the time. I really like co-op games. I like them in, if we're talking video games or board games, and I like being sort of involved all the time. And this this game is, is probably unique in that sense that even if you're playing a straight co-op game, you still take it in turns. Mm-hmm. So that not everybody is doing something every turn. But this game, the co-op aspect of it, even if you're not helping the person, there's always something you can do on the other people's turns. Yeah. So even though it, it is sort of um, like a, an in-it-to-win-it-yourself, you can you can do a lot when it's not your turn to do anything. Yeah. I, I think what I would say as another overarching thing about the gameplay is you'd be surprised how many times you don't hit a monster from the deck. Oh, yeah, we, you can go many rounds. We, we, I sort of thought when we first played it that it was like going to be mo- like you always face a monster, but it's really not. Oh. It's sort of like half the time you can't hit a monster when you want to and vice versa. The first game we played this, this afternoon was yeah. like you flip the door. It's disaster. Yeah. Or curse. Yeah. Uh, we're playing different iterations. Bad thing happens to you. Pass to me. 
I flip a card, I get a curse. Yeah. He flips a card, he gets a curse. It's like, no one actually gets to do anything. We're all just getting screwed yeah. by the game. So the game can move... I would say, in terms of the gameplay as well, each turn moves quite quickly. No matter what happens, but it can move insanely quickly. They they can do, unless there's like a big combat with lots of uh, yeah. lots of monsters and lots of people involved trying to screw it over, then it can yeah. be a lot. But generally, a turn takes about like maybe like five to ten seconds. I would say I'm never sitting there bored when I'm playing Munchkin no. in terms of like, oh, when will this turn be over? When, like, what's this person doing? It's at least very rare because I'm either involved in the combat or it's already over. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if it is uh, a lenter combat in and of itself, usually it's not lenty and boring. It's lenty because there's some amount of tension going on. There's decisions being made. Do I play this powerful once-only card that I have to try and win this, or yeah. will I take a risk? Yeah. Um, maybe try to run away and maybe get hit by some bad stuff. And and I, I think there's it, a lot of planning. It is fair to say as well that we play this competitively in inverted commas, but also like we just sort of laugh at each other oh, while yeah. we're playing. Like it's it's played in jest as well. See, oftentimes people will screw themselves over unknowingly. Yeah. So it's sort of a game yeah. that you always keep focused on, just because you know you want to be involved in it the game itself um like even by design even the illustrations themselves um it's very light-hearted yeah and if it it makes jest at a lot of things yeah like the game itself the base uh munchkin corset is very much sort of um an homage to classic dungeons and dragons yeah and um, it's got all the the classic base classes and races and the abilities would be tied to those uh, it's got some like some stupid like flaming armor that is actually just like a set of plate armor that is literally on fire and somehow that's helping you because you know it's cool and it's like funny to look at what i would say what's interesting about it is it's not clear to me at least although I don't think it is, whether it's making fun of Dungeons & Dragons, because sometimes you hear in Dungeons & Dragons people also invent ridiculously stupid, funny stuff. So I think it's, it's actually... I would have originally thought it was making fun of it, but I think now it's more playing into it. Oh, like, it, this is how inventive it, you can be. It, it perfectly walks the line between... Like, this is... It's so close to Dungeons & Dragons in how you actually play the game. You come across curses that'll screw you over. You come across a monster that you have to defeat. And all of the, like the classes and everything we're saying, they're all taken directly from D and D and put on the cards. But yeah. then at the same time, if you're not really into D and D and you just want to play a fun game, it's like it's funny enough that it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I mean, if we move on from gameplay to talk more about strategies and like how we actually play the game, uh, I think that's an interesting thing for us all to reveal our secret hidden strategies you know that we've been harboring all these yeah. years you know? that we have never revealed to each other whatsoever yeah so I, I talked about one with Owen before one of the days when we were coming back from the game I think he asked me like why do you ever help people for free and I used to do it this to be clear when I'm like a really high level like nine or eight and very close to winning and the person I'm helping is like level one and like three bonus I'm sort of like, if I help them, there's a fairly good chance that they'll have like a plus three or plus two thing to, or a curse or something they could use on me. So I'm just like, let's make it so that I at least have built up some goodwill with them. And maybe it doesn't work so well if you're on level nine, but if you're on like level 
seven or eight, maybe they're like, okay, I won't use this on him this turn. And it can often happen, even when playing just with three people, that there's two people on level nine. And I don't know, I, I always sort of thought of it... I, being honest, when I first was doing it, I didn't really think about it too much, but then I was like, wait, why am I doing this? And then I was like, oh, it actually seems to have worked out pretty well. My subconscious is a strategic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. like, the minute I think, <laughs> overthink something, uh, it, it goes worse and worse. Uh, but would you say, on oh, you have a strategy, we'll pass around the um, table here. Yeah, typically what I like to do um, when we're talking about the co-op features in combat, a big part of the combat is getting levels to, so you eventually win. Um, but I would argue almost more importantly is the treasures and loot you get from beating the monsters. So from a monster you might get you know one, two, three, four, five treasures depending. And you can even add more uh, with situational cards. Yeah. Um, when I'm either helping someone in a combat or they're helping me, uh, I will always try to finagle it that I might get can we just get a check on that word? Finangle, folks. <laughs> I don't think it counts for Finagle. Scrabble. Finagle. Yeah. Uh, with an omelette. Uh, I always try to arrange it that I might be getting less treasure than the other person, but I always want first pick of the treasure. Yeah. Um, what I've found a lot of the time, if you're taking a random selection of cards from the deck, you might have a class or a race. So a limit, a certain number of them will be really useful to you. A certain number will be absolutely trash to you. If you already have a headgear, you don't need more headgear. Mm-hmm. So why would I want to end up in a position where the other person can gift me that headgear that has absolutely no value to me? So, yeah, if there's three treasures on offer, uh, I will gladly take one treasure as long as I get the first pick of the three. I think what I would tag on to that as well is it's either better to have that situation or to have the other person so limited that like it would rarely happen but if they took one and I got four Mm. I would definitely take the four because usually what happens in that situation is you're taking one but there's like two or three you want so it can but I I definitely I think if it comes to three treasures or less what first is definitely better Mm. than second and two yeah Uh, I've got two strategies depending on sort of what cards you get out of the gate because yeah. if you if you are dealt four treasures off the bat that are really good and you've got ten bonus before your first turn and you're going to walk through a lot of monsters off, off the bat yeah. I just sort of go gung-ho kill monsters as often as, as possible get as much treasures as quickly as possible and just sort of steamroll the game mm-hmm. but as often with all of us I think at one point or another you don't get a good hand off the bat so you're like okay I've got two bonus and all this useless crap I can't use to either hinder anyone else or help me Uh, so in that case I sort of like to just uh, accumulate once only cards that don't necessarily help me but as soon as somebody else tries to do anything in the game they're going to get screwed over yeah Aiden is the saboteur (laughs) So it, it's either one of two things. I'm either I'm going for the win or I'm a passenger in this game here only to cause carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead weight in your trunk. <laughs> I, I, I much prefer to cause carnage even if I don't win the game. But because if you're going for the win off, off the bat, there's so much that can get in your way to stop you doing it. Yeah. But if you're only in it to hinder people, nothing's going to stop you doing that. The game is, is basically set up to hinder the person who's doing the best. Like, for me, if it's Owen's turn and he's on level four, 
fighting a monster that he's going to beat. I'm probably going to save my stuff for Aiden, who's on level 7. So neither of them have a good chance of winning, and maybe anytime soon in the next 3 or 4 turns. But I'm going to be like, okay, well, we don't want Aiden getting up. And this sort of brings me on to our next strategy that we've adopted as a group, which is this, like, no easy level strategy. Yeah. So the game is built in such a way that if you get a head start you can become, as Aiden says, unstoppable and just steamroll the whole game. There's quite a big snowball effect. Yeah. Um, like, the monsters range in power level from 1 to 20. Yeah. So, average is going to be about 10. And as soon as you sort of put yourself in a position where you can regularly beat the average monster, you are going to rack up levels. Yeah. yeah. So, if you can keep, you know, kick a man and keep him down and continuously <laughs> kick him... Even if he's also kicking you, because you're also on the floor, yeah. you're just making sure absolutely no one wins. Yeah, and like, uh, I, I think um, that's a strategy that works well, for, or not works well, but like that we always adopt. But what's really interesting with all of these strategies, like we can talk about all the stuff we do. To be clear, we're talking about when we play with each other. If you put like two different people in the game who've never played or always played with different groups, they'll have one maybe different rules and two like different strategies that they use maybe they always just take the last treasure no matter what and they let the other person take them all so we courteous for us to yeah. do that <laughs> we've had we've had like problems is really overselling this it's not real but like the, we've had like when we've been playing with other people who we don't play with that regularly we're like wait why are you helping him for just one treasure you're like messing everything up now he's going to steamroll the game so uh, yeah it can it definitely changes the whole dynamic of the game I think that's what Aiden gave one of the best descriptions of the strategy there where I think he said there's two different types because based on the cards you dealt there's no point in being like, yeah, I always like try and steamroll it. Because yeah. they You're just not gonna get off <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna steamroll it. You've got uh, zero bonus. Now uh, you've just changed your sex there and you're at minus five in your next combat. Yeah, you steamrolled it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that's one thing I I, uh, I liked about the game and like can play into the strategy as well, is that you are like what you are so if you're a female you play as a female to be with and then you're changed and if you're a male you play as a male not that it plays into the strategy I thought it was an interesting gameplay feature mm-hmm. uh, like that is it's still bringing you back into real life a bit somehow like this whole role playing aspect that we talked about mm-hmm. but very neutered if you want to say it like yeah. that um, one other thing to say for about the um, coming from sort of the either steamrolling or sabotaging thing um, if you do end up in a poor position um, it is possible to have like a complete reset on yourself. Um, it is uh, you can die in the game uh, from losing combats with certain high-level monsters, uh, and quite often, unless you're doing really well as a munchkin, uh, death is actually like pretty good. I would say eighty percent of the time that I've died, I've wanted to die. Yeah, because um, for instance, when you do die. Um, <coughs> You lose all your items, other people get to loot you, they take one item each, and then everything else gets discarded. You keep your class and your race and that's it. But then, at the start of your next turn, you're dealt an entirely fresh hand, so you get four new doors and four new treasures. So, if you, if you previously had, you know, plus two or plus three bonus, suddenly you get a bunch more cards, like, oh my god, I'm in such a better position than I used to be. Yeah. Like, and you can sort of restart. Even in the game we played before, before now, like, 
there was like maybe a five ten minute stint in the middle yeah. where I had literally a race card and a, a side buff card mm-hmm. that was literally doing nothing for me. I couldn't touch anything. I had no treasures. I couldn't beat anything, and no people could help me for uh, one of the side effects of the card. So then there was two monsters that came up that I played on myself to try and kill myself so that I could get more cards and miraculously failed both times. So I was a passenger right up until the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, but you still won that game. <laughs> yeah, so well, that's because by the end of it, nobody had shit. And I happened to have a lucky card on the deck. But yeah, there like, are quite a lot of swings yeah, possible within like, the game. Like, this is probably the one game I can think of off the top of my head where like you're striving to kill yourself so you can actually get better cards. Yeah. I love that. It's sort of like they say in a famous saying, like, a good start is half the battle. In Munchkin, it's the opposite. You don't want to start well no. a lot of the time because people will just target you. Oh, yeah. and it's like, holy shit, Magic yeah. has plus six bonus and me and Aiden are sitting there at plus two. It's like, well, I know who I'm going to fuck over first. <laughs> exactly. But then that's also somewhat redundant seeing as you can have three or four starts in each game. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if it's, if it's, if it's 50-50, I mean, if you play 50-50 enough times, you're going to get a good outcome. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, we sort of touched on it there a bit, uh, but we were talking about uh, with the game we played before, which wasn't actually the Vanilla Munchkin, which is the main subject of this. It was the uh, core, one of the other core sets. Uh, thanks for reminding me there. <laughs> We've been Subtle clues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other core sets uh, called Munchkin Apocalypse, which... If we use my description, which definitely isn't going to be the right one, it's almost like just a, a reskin of the vanilla set, but then with relative additions. And reskin doesn't quite do it justice because it's not just like, oh, the boots of book kicking become the, the boots, boots of, of militia. Yeah. It becomes really something like the functionality of the game is almost the same, but. Yeah, I think using a reskin is probably it's not the greatest. Reskin has a bit of negative connotations to it. Yeah. Um, for the term retexture, eh, almost it has a bit more meat to it. <laughs> it's like the yeah. gameplay is, the, yeah. is almost yeah. the exact same. The core gameplay is the same. You're still on munchkins. You're still kicking down doors, fighting monsters, trying to get treasure. Yeah. And it's the theme surrounding that's like encasing all of it is changed, and a lot of the other core sets add or remove different parts of the gameplay that greatly alter the experience. Yeah. So, for instance, we played Munchkin Apocalypse just there. Uh, a, one of the main parts of Munchkin Apocalypse is the inclusion of a third deck, the seals, uh, seal deck. So, going back to some of the lore, there's once the seventh seal of the apocalypse opens, the world ends and everything's gone. And that's the same idea with the Munchkin. Um, as seals open, bad stuff happens, mostly bad stuff. People lose levels, the monsters get more powerful, there's different continuous effects. And like that adds a huge different dynamic. A game of Munchkin Apocalypse is not going to finish in any or run in any way the same as a game of Munchkin Vanilla. Yeah, and again, not to reuse the whole percentage, but I think like 80% of the time it's completely different. Sometimes it has... Re- uh, sort of reverted to like oh beating monsters no seals are really open and suddenly it's like oh yeah it's one by levels but most of the time not so yeah really just to go back for a second this is like the section where we're going to talk about expansions of games and munchkin has sort of two types so it has one of the different core sets 
which an example is Munchkin Apocalypse. Munchkin Cthulhu is another one. Space Munchkin Owens played. Munchkin Booty is a pirate one, etc. But it also has what we've sort of coined as booster sets, which add cards to additional decks of Munchkin. So there'll be Vanilla Munchkin, and then there'll be Vanilla Munchkin 2, which is just a smaller box and just has extra cards in it. So not really worth t- talking about, I think. They add very little to the game. Some different classes, some different items, but I wouldn't, like, this isn't going to... We just want to let you know that they are there, but they're not really going to be... Uh, That's what the booster sets don't add much. The exactly. core sets are... Yeah. The core sets are stand, they're each standalone games. Yeah. I, I, w- I sort of would have liked for the first time I played it, to have been Vanilla Munchkin. For people listening, like I think it's nice to have played Vanilla Munchkin, and in that way you can sort of call the others expansions. But you can also buy, as Owen did, buy Munchkin Apocalypse, buy whatever one, and you can play it as, as its own standalone game with no loss of, like, you won't be like, oh, it's referring to this card or whatever. It's And, I, I mean, often they can be better. Like, Owen, I don't want to sort of repeat your story, but you said playing Space Munchkin. Star Munchkin, yeah. Star Munchkin, yeah. It had, what was the latest? Yeah. Um, well, this was many years ago that I played Star Munchkin. Um, but from what I remember, it was one of its unique mechanics was its ability to continuously combine one-handed weapon cards yeah. to make them like into one really big weapon hand. So and they were all like ended in Azer. So there was like the laser, there was the taser, there was a phaser. And if you had all three of them stacked together, it was just referred to as the laser taser phaser. Yeah. Um, which was like really interesting. <laughs> it's like your weapon got continuously bigger yeah. and it still only took up the same amount of like yeah. hands to use. It's a yeah. ridiculous mechanic. Yeah. But I <laughs> love it. Yeah, which is ridiculously named. But there, there was obviously downsides to that. If something forced you to lose your one-handed weapons or your item that gave you the biggest bonus, suddenly that's like a huge swing yeah. in the opposite direction. So it's it's a different dynamic to the same game. It's yeah. not just like a power creep. Yeah, but that's what I, I think that sums it up well. And I would say every game that we've played that has had like the tweaks or whatever has had something completely different in it. So it hasn't just been like Vanilla Munchkin with a few like extra cards that look nice. It's yeah. been like a huge change. Uh, for Munchkin Booty, it didn't have race i don't believe but it had accents mm-hmm. and the accents had sort of the same functionality as race but it also had something had ships. ships yeah uh so they were sort of extra things that you could have, add mm-hmm. on that didn't take up any hands terrible i don't remember the exact they did have other functionality i think they helped you run away or something as well did, did either of those have separate win conditions like apocalypse because cthulhu is yeah. another one that has a separate win condition apart from neither of them yeah, so Munchkin Booty didn't, but yeah, Aiden just the touched likes on it there. Uh, Munchkin Cthulhu, it's all based off like HP Munchcraft novels, so it's all Cthulhu. Did you say HP Munchcraft? <laughs> well, that's what it's <laughs> called in the game. Munchcraft, <laughs> Munchcraft, it's in the game, it's fine. Uh, so everything's based off all of his novels. So um, there's all the the emergence of the cultist class. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, it's HP Minecraft, right? Lovecraft. Lovecraft, Lovecraft. <laughs> okay. No, Minecraft is again another thing. <laughs> We're getting gold here. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the uh, cultist class, a separate win condition for which um, Cthulhu is if every player at the table is the cultist class, the game ends. Yeah. Because if everyone's a cultist, what's the point of playing? And the person with the highest level at that point. Level yeah. at that point, yeah. yeah. And the person 
when the seventh seed is open, the person with the highest bonus wins. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, how Aiden was describing the game we played earlier. He won because he just had one throwaway card that was a plus five bonus. Oh, Aiden, her own had plus three and I had zero. And like to say that that's the second time in our career that I've won with no cards in front of me. <laughs> just by sure chance. Uh, so, yeah, this is, like Aiden said, the separate win conditions I, I think are quite good. They add a lot to the games. And I just, I want to stress that the expandability with the game is, I think, much better than other nerd games where it's not just like, oh, now we have a bit extra and an extra dice to roll or mm-hmm. something. I think yeah. they're like completely yeah. different games. It's it's not another 30 quid for something you can go without. Exactly. These, the core sets are standalone games and they're, they have their own pros and cons within their own right. Definitely. Like, we, you, we could easily do a separate review uh, or a separate podcast uh, about on a Apocalypse. Cthulhu, we won't, don't worry. <laughs> this will be long enough as it is. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. to move it along, I guess uh, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of Munchkin. Uh, a lot of pros, we've sort of been quite complimentary of the game throughout, but it'd be interesting to hear some of the cons. I think if I was to talk about one of the pros for me, as maybe less of a gamer, when you could say this about a lot of games, but... Uh, it's replayability like the sheer mileage we've got out of it as Owen said these games are 30 quid and that's maybe one reason why I haven't bought as many games as Owen has because I don't feel as big into it but and, and the, it is like it's always with these games I find an amount of money that you don't want to spend it's a bit like you know oh if it was like just 25 quid I would get it but it's actually like 50 or like the games are but there's not enough good things we could say about Munchkin in terms of how much we've played it, played it to absolute death, and if it's ever brought out at a game night, I wouldn't like be like, oh no, I'm not going to play this. If anyone wants to suggest Munchkin, I think we'd all go, yep, let's do it. Exactly. And we might only play one game where we used to play seven, but I don't think, it's very rare that I'd be like, oh no, I don't want to play Munchkin, if ever. Mm-hmm. It's been one of the longest lasting games in that okay we've it was the very first game we played and we're still playing it whereas yeah. other games along the way have come and lived a short life and we haven't really played at all lately yeah so it's it's been certainly the most uh, endearing game for us like a staple was friday night game nights which is on touch on the start it started off like with poker then it was playstation then it turned into munchkin and there was like all sorts of board games which is why we started the podcast but munchkin was like the mainstay for a while yeah. and for a reason mm-hmm. Any, any pros that come to mind, guys? Just sort of the range of who can play the game. Because yeah. there is a lot of writing on every card, or a lot of writing on most cards, that you can really dig into the rules to get the most out of the game. So it sort of angles it toward a more grown-up, sort of like or teenage to adult audience. But the main mechanic of having a numbered bonus, plus two, plus one, that add up to a number that's bigger than the monsters, you can play with young kids as well. I have played with... Like five and six year olds, but I've also played with my parents. Mm-hmm. The, I can who are sense, not five and six. <laughs> yeah, they, are, they are definitely not five and six. Aiden like, doesn't have very many but, friends, yeah. but that's what it I'm, sounds I'm, like. I've <laughs> played the, with the, my cousins. Like, the like, range on the game says ten and up yeah. for their age, but like I've played with five and six year olds, and they grasp the game fine. Yeah, you, you don't need you don't need to read the fine rules to play the game. Yeah. It's just if you want to, you can. But like anyone can play it. Yeah. I think after watching half a game, pretty much anyone yeah. would be ready to go and step in. And I, I think to take that one step further, if someone had 
describe like Dungeons and Dragons to me, I would be like, no, I'm never going to play that. Like that's such a nerdy game. This is such a gateway into that that it's like, oh, this can actually be quite fun. Now, I still don't like Dungeons and Dragons that much because you have to do a lot of the legwork yourself coming up with the character. That's something people who play it love. Mm. But I would never have thought that I would have enjoyed a game like this. But it's so enjoyable. Like you said, anyone can play it. And I think everyone who plays it would be surprised at how much fun it is and how much they get into it. Uh, even though it's sort of a stupidly ridiculous concept that most people would turn their noses at. Uh, as far as a con goes, we sort of touched on it a bit on the, the gameplay. If you don't get off to a start and you lose cards, like some people throw a lot of curses at you off the bat and you lose your cards and you, for whatever reason, don't die or can't get into a position to get new cards, you can essentially just be a passenger in a 20-minute game where you're just there for the banter more than actual gameplay and you're giving suggestions or you can get help sometimes but on, on, on occasions you can just be a passenger if you're very uh, unlucky I think I think it's fair to say I wouldn't go as far as that you, you can that you're just a passenger although maybe very rarely it's true but I would definitely say that you don't really have much influence over whether you win the game or not. Yeah, there's very little like we talked a bit about strategy but there's very little like once you've played the game a couple of times there's very little smart play that you can do to be like this is how I'm going to win uh, there's a bunch of other games we're going to look at that have basically only that where it's all about your strategy and how you set up this is just like oh what hands did I get dealt what did I roll on the dice what and do I pick out from the deck yeah yeah. there's a lot of luck involved in that and um, you can try and do some smart things to minimize risk but yeah no, ultimately it's a game for fun yeah it's not a game about being master strategist i think if i can touch on another con it would just be that playing it with other people is more difficult maybe it's just our personality thing my personality thing i think we've played it so many times that i don't really like to teach new people because uh, I feel like I'm a bit like meta gaming, if that's the right word. Yeah, uh, like sort of like, oh, this is what you should do. Yeah. This is what you should do. And as well, I don't really like playing with completely outside groups. Not that I've done it too much. I, I, I would say that that's less of a con to the game and just the, the style in which we play. We don't like to play with if you've got different house rules or if you someone's sort of only half into the game. Yeah. That's more of a, a company you play the game with rather than the game. But I think you talked about like house rules before on, and yeah. I like this story because yeah. it's funny. But yeah, I'll, let yeah, you tell. I'll, I'll throw this in as oh like a possible calm with some of the rule ambiguity. And um, it is possible that you walk in up to another table and you're just like, "Holy shit! What the fuck are you guys doing? Like this makes no sense." Um, one group I played at one time um, had a house rule in that, um, which is sort of covered by the rules and sort of not. Um, Basically, they would allow everybody to cheat as much as they wanted. But if you got caught cheating in a particular way, you then weren't allowed to cheat in that exact same manner again. So but you were like, still allowed to yeah. cheat. So, for instance, let's say you were wearing two sets of headgear. Now, that's probably not feasible because you've only got one head, you can only fit one at a time. But they would cheat doing that. And then someone calls them on it. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not allowed to cheat this way again. But they could still you know, cheat by having two sets of footgear on. 
I, I just thought that entire thing was complete retardation. <laughs> the worst thing for me in that is the game designs cheating into it. There are literal cheat cards in the game that allow you to go above to your over- bodily capabilities. Yeah, to overcome the card restrictions. Yeah. So it's like there's, if it's built into the game, why do you then have to cheat the cheat system that's built in? That's just that's just bizarre. And and I've said before, even though it's going to pit me as like such a dry shite, if I cheat winning a game, not using the mechanical cheat cards that we talked about, then. I don't feel like I've won. Like it's just like, oh great, I've managed to win by cheating. But I, yeah, at least I, I wouldn't mean, feel good about it. It's different how they have integrated it, but still, I just think it's such a ridiculous rule. Aiden said, when it's built into the game, it just seems so stupid to be like, oh, but you can also cheat like yeah. this. And as Owen said, like now I'm cheat. Let's say I got caught with the two headgear. So I'm not allowed to cheat in that way anymore. Now I'm cheating that rule yeah. that I'm not allowed. Yeah. I'm going to cheat the rule that says I can't cheat. Yeah. It's like, so what rules are hard and fast, <laughs> which are like just totally yeah. fucking empty? Level 10, none of 7, I win. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's how we do it. Yeah. Lucky number 7. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I started at level 8. So fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Could you just sneak up levels if no one? Oh, wants? absolutely. Yeah, if that's, no one called you on it, they were just that's like, just not okay. <laughs> that would just annoy me so much because I'd be like, yeah. you know, you have to watch. Yeah, I mean, you get into it. Like, yeah, that's yeah. that's again getting into the the aspect of having to play everyone else's game when you just want to play your own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay, no, we're, we're not, really like, getting into the content of that it. specific yeah, game. We're, we're gonna <laughs> let's stop digressing. Um, get down to something a bit more solid. Back to us again. Yeah. Um, ratings. We're coming up to the end. So out of out of ten. No decimals. You can have decimals. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have a half in mind, but no, <laughs> no, no pies. No fucking no weird fractions. No irrational numbers. No. You've uh, got twenty options here. One through ten with halves. That's it. <laughs> Zero not an option. No, I don't. <laughs> not not giving much. Give <laughs> pretty sure if you choose zero, I will just punch you. So no. <laughs> okay, uh, so lead us off, Daron. Um, for me, Munchkin is eight out of ten. Uh, it's a really, really solid game. We've been playing it for years and years. Um, the replayability is awesome. Oh, I still like so many years on. I just like looking at the cards and the humor in the game keeps me coming back. And even when you're getting absolutely beat down on, I still think it's a joy to play. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, nine out of ten for me. It's the first what game. What happened to that fraction, Aiden? Nine and a half. Don't want to say nine and a half. <laughs> no. Oh well, sorry, nine and a half. <laughs> Over my Cheated head. Out of a half of percent. I was too busy making gestures at all. I was talking <laughs> to concentrate on what I was going to say. Yeah, they were not polite. Yeah. <laughs> and not nine and a half for me. It's the first game we were introduced to. It really sort of kicked off our. Like we, we were all friends before, but like this sort of really solidified one thing we all love to do was play games. Yeah. And this was, like Owen said, I love just looking at the artwork on the cards. It's just gorgeous to, even when I'm not playing, I have the deck at home, like, oh, look through the artwork, because myself and Owen play a lot of D&D as well. Get a lot of inspiration just like looking at the, at the artwork. I just love to look at it. And again, the range of playability, the replayability of each game, it's... Uh, Top of, the, top of the stack yeah yeah I think I'm going to go with uh, nine uh, sort of somewhere in between maybe I don't have the the nostalgia element as, as much as Aiden would but no I, I really like the game we already talked about replayability it sounds like there was I think listing back will be like god maybe there was more cons but I think the cons are quite small in the game 
relative to the big pros, which are, it's just a really fun game to play. It got us all interested in trying more games, as Aiden said. I really like it. I'd give it a nine. I would venture that it's going to be in the top of the games we rate for me. Uh, We're not always going to be throwing eights and nines around the table, just for reference. (laughs) But, no, it's such an enjoyable game. Yeah, I think the only thing I take the one off for is how much I don't like playing it with people that aren't you. (laughs) Don't cry, don't cry. (laughs) But no, I just, I enjoy playing with us, but it's not a game that I'd bring out to like a weekend away and be like, let me teach you all how to play Munchkin, I'd rather. Matthew gets very upset by change. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He can't routinely beat our ass. (laughs) He needs to find the system and then he's he's gold. But Um, then uh, moving on then, what? Last segment. So what would, what would get it to the 10? What would get it to the 10 yeah. for me? I don't know. I don't think there, there is anything that can get it to the 10 like that. I like the game as it is. And like if I said, oh, let's make it more like articulate that it's a party game, I wouldn't enjoy it for a whole host of other reasons. So that's just the, the one thing it doesn't like. In terms of improvements, I don't want to sort of steal this one from everyone because we've talked about it privately before. But I think... Aiden talked about it already. You can end up a bit of a passenger and just not be able to get treasures, not really be able to get anything, keep hitting monsters that you can't beat and no one can help you beat. Uh, it's rare, but in that case, it would be nice if you were had some option to pick up treasures or get treasures in some way other than by beating a monster. Some form of, of handicap introduced depending on the various levels of people in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the game... Handicaps itself for higher people to a large extent, unless everyone else gets really unlucky with the cards because basically everyone just jumps on that person to make them lose. But definitely for the lower levels, you can literally go like, oh, flipped, I've flipped another curse. I'm still on level one and one bonus. Yep. And next turn, still, and you have like nothing else. So rare, but does happen. That would be one improvement. Right. Anything else? Ten, 10 for me to get that extra half is, like I've talked about the the range of people who can play and it's a very child-friendly game at the same time but I'd love to see just an updated artwork not even like there's a lot of core sets that have different art but just like a re a, a genuine reskin of the base game just to give it a bit more I don't know a bit of a more of a visceral feel to it it's like yeah. sort of like almost a non-PG version of it almost very dark fantasy yeah because everything it feels very childish because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's aimed at a younger audience for the most part I'd just like to see a more grown-up skin on it. I'm just looking at here, it's illustrated by John Kovalic. No no offence to him, yeah. obviously. <laughs> but it, no, definitely... John Kovalic of the um, Dork Tower comic series. Oh, okay. Shout out to that. Yeah. Solid. But, yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I think it would be hard to do because if they brought out a new one with a completely different sort of animation stuff... That would just be like, oh, but why didn't you do that? Like, then you have all these other ones that all have the same artwork. So maybe they've yeah. gone too far down the rabbit hole. But I do agree, it would be would be cool at least to see maybe even a different game with the same functionality, but just yeah. more. Because at the minute, every iteration of the game for the most part is done in a, a cartoon style artwork. So like, if you had almost like a, a like a comic book style, mm-hmm. uh, like a very gritty sort of artwork to it, that would just push it over the edge for me. Uh, worth mentioning, there is 
they do do guest art sets. Do do. <laughs> do get they. <laughs> they are available for purchase. Yeah. Um, guest art sets of Munchkin. Um, I've had a look at them. Uh, none of them fit quite your criteria. They are they are all still cartoony, but they're just done by different people in slightly yeah. illustrations. I don't know so, yeah, so it does exist, but not to the extent that they would personally like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, very high ratings for Munchkin, guys, and, and that'll probably do it for us. So just since this is the first episode, uh, we'll let you know that obviously before each episode we play the game at least once. Whoever wins picks uh, who has to come up with the last line of our outro. So with that in mind, from all of us at Nerd Game Night, remember to play the game, roll the dice, and never take podcast advice. (laughs) 